this is Thoughts Become Things. With each episode, we'll help you reach the highest creative potential that God has for you. With your host, a teacher, life coach, a dream coach, and motivational speaker, Jeremy Lopez. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another podcast of Thoughts Become Things. I'm Jeremy Lopez, and man, today is going to be a beautiful day, is it not? Great day today, I tell you. You know, you have to really think about the fact of giving God praise for the rain, the sun, the cold, the the heat, because you know what? All, I mean, all seasons really work together for the good of God. I mean, it all works together for us and, and creation, you know? And I, I love the fact that we, you know, sometimes we'll look at life and we'll say, man, it's raining, or man, the sun's out, it's too hot, too cold, but all of it's necessary for the cycle of life when it deals with the seasons on this planet, you know? And so we should really learn to give God praise for everything. So this is where I really begin to understand, um, you know, that, uh, that, that power of knowing that it's all working together for our good. And so today, I'm sort of going to talk a little bit on those lines. I'm going to talk about actually um, moving into greater power, moving into greater power. Let me explain to you what that means on moving into greater power, because it sort of runs and sort of flows with what I just told you about the seasons. Because, you know, one of the scriptures in the Bible that I really love is it says to be faithful in the small things, and God will make you faithful and rule over many things. And when we deal with things such as law of attraction, you know, thoughts become things, you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, you know, uh, ask, seek, and knock, you know, the door shall be open, you know, when, when it deals with all this stuff, we have to begin to understand what does the beginning stages of all this look like, you know, I mean, most people are like, hey, I heard about law of attraction, you know, even though that's, that's a coin term, it's not biblical, but the attraction part is 100% biblical, but, you know, people ask me, you know, things like, you know, I'm going to start with something big, you know, and they start thinking, I want a huge home, you know, I want a million dollar home, I want a big Mercedes, you know, or I want a better job paying a hundred thousand. You know, and you're sitting here thinking to yourself, oh brother, you know, it's like that's not how the kingdom of God works, you know, because your mind has to prosper to the lifestyle that you're that you're you're experiencing in that moment. And then as you begin to experience greater things, your mind will shift to the greater things. You know, you can't expect a mind to handle, let's say, a million dollars if you've never had a million dollars in your in your bank account or your hand, you won't know how to spend it. You think you do. And you'll, and you'll say to yourself, I want to give all over to charity. No, you're not. Because the moment you get it, your mind will say, but I can afford this. I can do this. And so you have to remember, if you don't grow to things, it won't. then they won't grow in you. You've got to begin to grow with it as, it as it grows with you. And therefore, you grow together. And so when we deal with moving into greater power, it's, it, it means moving into greater level of understanding, experience, and wisdom of knowing that you've got to learn to be faithful in small areas of your life. Because if, you, if you're not faithful in small areas of your life, it's going to be really hard for you because God will not... I want to say, I want to use the word cannot, but I'd rather use will not. God will not give you, you know, uh, you know, for you starting off on something, you know, really huge, really big. It's like this, for example. Let's say, for example, you get a young couple in their early twenties. They get married and they sort of, you know, let's say they wait a couple of years and oh my goodness, look, we're having a baby. She's pregnant, you know, and here's their first one or her, you know, or all of a sudden they might say, hey, look, there's twins, you know, instead of you know, instead of one, you know, you're pregnant with twins, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, wait a minute, you know, and there is a level of a little bit of like anxiety because you're like, oh, we're not dealing with one baby, we're dealing with two babies, you know? And so what do they do? They mentally start preparing themselves for those nine months. They prepare themselves by maybe getting, you know, two baby, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
carts, you know, or, or two baby beds, or you know, uh, you know, more clothes, you know, whatever it is, they start preparing, and with the things in which they purchase and they buy, their mind is growing with with the with what they're seeing. Their mind is growing with, okay, let's buy two of this and two of that. So their mind gets used to and accustomed because it becomes the new normal of seeing twosies, right, instead of one onesies. And so through that, they start preparing themselves. And is there a little bit of still of anxiety to say, man, we got two babies on the way? There is. Now, I want you to think about that. But one baby or two babies is still that thing of like, wow, okay, it's, it's still a first step. I mean, two children is not really, you know, big, huge family, you know, uh, you know, if you think about it. Because you're still moving into that being faithful in the small things. But yet, two children, let's say twins, still bring a type of anxiety because one's enough. One is like, you know, I'm still trying to grow to know how to be a dad or a mom, you know, and now I'm giving two babies. What am I going to do? And so there's still that anxiety. Why? Because the mind can't wrap around because the mind wonders, do we have enough finances to support two babies? You know, is my job going to be secure? Is, you know, do we have any, enough rooms in the house? You know, you know, is our car big enough for two babies? Think about that. Everybody thinks about that. If you didn't, you wouldn't love, you wouldn't love your future babies, right? Because your mind is moving a little bit of anxiety is, are things bigger to bring in two children to the world? Much less one. And so there's going to be a little anxiety. So it's like saying, for example, let's say you get, you know, um, let's say you get a young couple in their twenties, and all of a sudden they're going to get married. And let's just say, let's just go way off on a on a tangent just for a moment, you know, as far as a different different road that deals with this. So let's say, for example, not bringing bad news or negative news, but let's just say for a moment in a non-perfect world, you know, that let's say um, the the say the girl's mom and dad, let's say got killed in a car wreck, and let's say she had, and the mom, which is very very rare, far between. Let's say the mom and the and the dad of let's say the young girl or guy who just got married had seven other children. So let's say the the wife, the young wife of this young man, had seven brothers and sisters. Let's say the mom and dad were killed in the car wreck. Let's just go there for a moment. And there's seven more children, and she's one of eight children, and she just got married to her husband in their early twenties. And let's say all those were babies. Now the likelihood of having that is very slim, but let's just go there for a moment. So imagine what would they do? They would they would panic. They wouldn't know what to do. Do we take these other seven siblings of yours to take on, knowing that we have a baby as well, and we're in our early 20s? Can we afford eight children now? You know, uh, and so their mind goes crazy because they can't wrap their brain around it because we don't have the finances to do that. We don't have the house big enough to take on, you know, your seven siblings and, you know, because your parents passed, you know, died or, or, you know, what do we do? Do we have them adopted out? Do we take some of them and take, and, and maybe give a couple of them to your aunts and uncles? I mean, because, the, you know, let's just face reality. They freak out because they know that they're young. They've never experienced this before. And so knowing that, you realize that life will let us know exactly what's backing up in the scriptures. Life will let us know, according to law of attraction, what it is we need to start thinking on or how we need to start thinking. Because reality is, don't focus on, hey, you know what? I came across this thing that I realized as thoughts become things, and I'm going to go ahead and, and I live, let's say, in a one-bedroom apartment right now, but I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe God and use law of attraction according to God's word to, to, I'm going to, I'm going to put in a five million dollar home. I'm live in the next year. Can I be honest with you? It, the likelihood of that happening is like one out of a thousand percent. It's not going to happen. And I'm not being negative with you. It's the idea of God saying, I can't do that because I because my I honor my word above my name, which means I want you to grow with it. If you're not faithful in something small, if you're not treating what it is small in your life with not just cleaning it up and taking care of it, but knowing how to be able to master that. 
master that, then I can't open the door for greater big things. So when we talk about moving in greater power, how do we move in greater power? We move in greater power by moving in the power we have currently and, and, and seeing the effectiveness of where we are right now in our lives, seeing the effectiveness of how it's affecting the small things in our lives now. If you can't master the small things, if you can't see your power that God's given you is affecting and literally beginning to grow or shift or rechange or restructure the few things you have now, then, it, then I'm going to tell you something. Nine times out of ten, it's not going to work for bigger things because you can't handle it. And so you have to begin to know, what is the, the power that I have right now? The power that I have right now is on what I own right now because I was able to obviously master the power I have that God's given me for an apartment. I was able to master what God's given me right now on a two-bedroom home. I was able to master what God's given me right now, let's say on a Nissan or, or whatever the case may be. And But let me just also say this for a disclaimer. God doesn't care if you have a... He's not into... You know, the millions of dollars. He's not into you gotta have the, you know, um, you know, the Mercedes or the Jaguar, whatever the case may be. He's not always in, he's not saying that you're gonna be more spiritual if you have, you know, name, name brand things. Not one bit. God really doesn't care so much about that. What he cares about is your heart's desire of saying, I would like to have something better to be able to grow with. And that's what God looks at. And if, and, and, and knowing how you will treat it and if it will be used for God's kingdom of what it is you're, you're thinking to attract into your life, then trust me, you're going to begin to see these things begin to happen in your life and you'll have them. But here's the idea that you have to think about as well. When people get in, and I, as a life coach, I life coach people all day long. And, and, and literally when I say nine times out of ten, this is the things I hear. Well, you know what? If God, you know, a God gave me a dream or, or I'm going to, or if I'm going to believe God for three dollars because I'm going to use all of it for to feed the homeless. I'm going to use all of it for, for my church. God knows my heart. Let me tell you something, folks. I don't want you to go with me just for a moment, okay? And I'm not trying to bust your bubble, but I want you to hear me by a reality and think of it through. Think this thing through from a kingdom point of view, okay? If I hear that all day long, and you know, as I know, probably 90% of the people in the church would say the exact same thing, so you're not the only one, and that is if God gave me a lot of money, I'd feed, I'd feed the poor. I'd take care of my parents. I would, you know, buy a new church for my, I, you know, do you realize you're not the only one that feels that way? So imagine if everybody had that same dream, which 90% of the people do in church. And imagine God, quote unquote, fulfilling all that for about 90% of the people in church. That means the whole entire world's economy would be wrapped up in church people. And if you think about it, it's not reality in the sense of saying the world has no money. No one has more money. No one has money at all except these 90% of the people, the church now, and all these 90% of the people, let's say we're legitimately giving all that money to bigger churches or to the poor homeless, right? Then think of this way. Imagine in the system of this world how much that would be knocked off. It would knock off the whole system of the world. And then all of a sudden, then people get the idea, hey, if I become a Christian, if I think it, then I'm going to get millions of dollars because that's what God does. They'll start seeing God and viewing God differently and look at him as a slot machine. Think about that just for a moment. And so, and I'm not trying to bust your bubble on your dream of saying, but I believe in God for three million dollars so I can feed the poor, or I can buy a new church, or I can buy pews for the church. I want you to think logically in the way God wants you to think. Because faith is letting you know that faith can move mountains, but faith is like a mustard seed. It has to grow. And if you're not growing with what you have now, 
you know, then here's what God would say to you. Are you giving, let's say, for example, let's do this. If you make, let's say, $30,000 a year or $100,000 a year, are you giving above and beyond your 10%? Because here's my, here's my rule of thumb. You know, is this. I don't believe in the tithe. You're going to be like, oh my God, you don't? No, and I'll tell you why. Because for me to think legalistically that I've got to, you know, calculate 10% of my money, do you think God honors that? It's not coming from the heart. It's coming legalistically. So if I say I believe in the tithe, be it I don't believe in it, I'd be accurate on, on my, on my truth of believing in both because I don't believe in giving 10%. I always give above and beyond. I don't count it. I don't have to calculate it because I do not live by the letter of the law whatsoever at all. So I, I in fact, I usually give 15, 20, 25, 30%, 40. I mean, there's times in my life I've given 45% of my, of my income uh, to people. And to the church, I do because I don't think about. I don't, I'm like I'm not going to be legalistic with you, God, because you're not legalistic with me. So I don't believe in a tithe, and I think if people that believe in a tithe that want to stick to t- just just ten percent, and then here's my thinking: if you're going to calculate God exactly what you feel like God is just asking of you, that's not a heart change. There's no love in that, not one bit. It's that's nothing but the letter of the law to appease an angry God. That's not how God wants you to see God at all. And so my point being with that is this. Whatever it is you have, God will look at your heart and say, do you really, are you concerned about every penny you have? Or do you, do you give away because you fully have it? Or do you actually, you know, buy or bless people, you know, um, on what you do make and go above and beyond that? Because if you do, then you're going to get more in your future because you're faithful with the small things. You don't live by the letter of the law and the small things. You live by, by faith and you live by love. And when you allow love to govern your money, oh, let me tell you something, folks. I'm telling you by by my experience, by my lifestyle, when you give according to love, oh, you better get ready because the heaven's gates are going to open up for you and, and out of the God's window is going to pour blessings. There's not even room enough for you to contain. But if you live by the law and say, but Lord, I tithe, God's going to be like, oh, whoopee-doo, yay, you give according to the law. Way to go. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You know, and so there's no love in that. There's no love in that. And when you understand the whole dynamics of power, greater power, it means don't look, number one, to the letter of the law. Number two, don't sit here and have a dream that you know you ha- you don't even make half of that, much less even a fifth or a quarter of that. Look at it and understand what am I doing with what I have right now. If I have a if I have a, an old apartment, well, let's say a one room apartment. Let me tell you something: is it is it so clean that you could eat off the floor? If it's not, you're not faithful in the small things. You might say, "Well, that's an extreme one, Jeremy." It is, but hear me out. Whatever it is in your heart that you need to make sure that place or that car or that situation is so spotless. Why? Because you recognize the value of yourself being a king and or a queen or a son of God or a daughter of God in God's kingdom. Because whatever it is you have in your life should master or should it should be to the value of how you see yourself. Because if you don't see yourself as being worth and value and that means that means God will never give you anything bigger because you will treat it just like you did the things that were of lesser value because you're saying I don't value myself therefore I don't value even the small things I have and you can say all day long well if I get greater things Jeremy I will take care of them and God's like no you won't you definitely won't 
You, you definitely won't because you're not doing it now with what you have. And so it's the power of understanding. If you want something greater in God's greater power, you're going to have to begin to look at your life anointing-wise, your gifts, uh, your spiritual gift-wise, your natural gifts, your money, your talents, your family, you know, uh, the place in which you live, the job in which you have, the car in which you drive, the clothes on your back, the food you eat. Should I go there, folks? The food you eat. How much do you value yourself as a son or daughter of God? Because if you're putting processed foods and junk foods and sugars in your body, you're letting me know I'm not a son of God. I'm a pomper. You're letting me know that I am worthless and I and I don't treat this body as if it is fit for the master's use. Because guess what, folks? It might not be at the moment. Are you with me? And that's why God is saying, and He wants to encourage you to say, hey, look at the value of yourself. You will only attract, you will only attract, only attract, only attract into your life of how you see yourself. Even if you bypass your own thoughts of thinking good, thinking good, thinking big, thinking big. You know, if you don't see yourself as that, then you cannot think healthy thoughts of bigger things. And so you have to begin to realize what is going on my body, in my body, my surroundings in which my body lives in, my lifestyle of where I work, my money, my children, my wife, my husband, my car, my home. My socks, <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever the case may be, how are you treating the things that you look at and say, it's not worth it, it's not powerful, it's small. And God says, see, what you think is small are the very things I'm testing you on, are the very things to me that are the big thing. Because God's kingdom is backwards kingdom. So what if what you think is big is small to God? And, what, and maybe what you think is small to God according to the backwards kingdom theology, is big to God. Hello? Can you hear me through this podcast? And so I'm trying to help you to understand the reality of God's kingdom of how to begin to make your life where you're moving in the greater power of God. Because you can beg, you can plead, you can do whatever you think you need to do in those areas, and God's going to be like, but you don't understand. You look. I, I see how you see yourself in the mirror. I look at how you treat your body. I look at how you treat your money. I look at how you treat your, your mom and dad. I look at how you treat your children. I look at how you treat them where you live that I've given you, the roof over your head. I look and see which, how you treat your car. Are you with me? Don't have the oil changed ever. Run it till it's almost on fumes. It's filthy inside. It's dirty on the outside. It looks like junk, right? I mean, God sees our life. And you might say, well, God, is God really that superficial that he would look on the outside? There's nothing. Let me tell you something. You have to separate the word superficial and materialism when it deals with God's kingdom of the faithfulness of the small things. Notice how the word things, T-H-I-N-G-S, is in the Bible. Things. What are things? Things are car keys. Things are tables. Things are chairs. So does God look and God see that as superficial materialism? No. He looks at that as things, material things. And material things is what God looks at. And it doesn't mean God's superficial and it doesn't mean God's materialistic because he's not. It means God says, I will see the things that you have. And those things that are energy slow down in a matter, those things is what I look at. Because here's the idea that you have to remember what God said in his word. How can you love a God you haven't seen if you can't love the person in front of you that you have seen, right? So God still looks in the natural and will cause what's going on in the spiritual and the natural 
to be to be done to go higher by the things of what we do and how we treat things in the natural. So I wanted to leave you guys with all this because I believe in you. I know you can do this. But sometimes if you're like me, you just need a boost of knowledge and wisdom to say, oh my gosh, I've missed that principle the whole time. And bam, your life changes and shifts to a greater level of power. Amen? This is what I want to bring to you guys today. So I'm going to close with this. There's a, my, my newest book this month is called Healing from Negative Energy. Healing from Negative Energy. Go to the website, identitynetwork.net, and download the book as a PDF file or order the book. You guys will love it, I guarantee you. But I want to say this as we close as well. If you don't like your day, if you don't like what's going on right now in your life, change your thoughts. Change the way the rest of the day should look for you. And I guarantee you, your world, your life will start shifting. Your day will start shifting at that moment to say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He or she's been thinking this. We better shift it because it's going to shift. Thoughts do become things. God bless. This has been the Thoughts Become Things podcast with Jeremy Lopez, helping you reach your highest creative potential that God has for you. For more episodes, products, and information on Jeremy, visit www.identitynetwork.net.